Welcome to Heart Warriors Radio, featuring your two phenomenal hosts, Miss Yona Brindis and Mr. Jeff Casper, metaphysical teachers and energy healers. You can learn more about them by going to their website at transcodes.com. I'm the third wheel, proverbial third wheel, Ryan McCormick. You can learn more about me by going to the website at outerlimitsradio.com. And today on Heart Warriors Radio, we have a phenomenal guest. Her name is Shoshana Figueroa. Learn more about her by going to her website at shoshanatherapy.com. She is an intuitive therapist. So, Shoshana, Yona, and Jeff, welcome to the program. Let's have fun today. That's good, Ryan. Thank you. Awesome. All right, Shoshana, I guess uh, we have a lot of questions we'd like to ask you. First okay. thing is, what is an intuitive therapist, and how does your work kind of run parallel or complement uh, Jeff and Yona's work? <laughs> Start with a bang. Um, <laughs> so basically, I listen to people, but I'm not just listening to what someone says. I'm also listening to what they don't say. And I'm paying attention to all, all aspects of them, and then I give them a mirror as to what I feel and see. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm comfortable doing that. So, I have a question for you, Shoshana. You, mm-hmm. you and I have known each other for, for many, many years. Right. And I, I understand that, uh, you know, I know you really well. I know you are a classical trained mental health counselor and marriage and family therapist. And um, I'm wondering if you were seeing any changes, you know, like say maybe over the last decade or so, as far as your clients is concerned, as far as like, them opening up to things that um, maybe, you know, 10 years or 15 years ago, they wouldn't have talked about. Is, is Are there tendencies that you are seeing in in your practice with people coming to you? Uh, more people are interested and wanting um, to be more in touch with their own intuition. They're wanting to deal more with the energy and the things that they pick up on that they can't always explain or put a finger on. There's more connections developing that people can't explain. Yeah. And I'm curious too, like um, when I was doing some of the class work a few years back now, um, I know that they were starting to do some stuff that was trying to go that path. Like there was some, Mm -hmm parts of the organizations that were going into energy work. Has that expanded at all in the last three or four years, or has it kind of stayed where it was at, or do you know? Um, Well, I mean, there are certain classes you can take for continuing education requirements that definitely Hmm. have that, that you can get credit for. Um, They're not, it's not part of the standard curriculum that you have to take every year or two years, but it's definitely out there. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, Shrinks, in, comp- in, in quotation marks, <laughs> they <laughs> have some sort of a bad rap in, 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 in sort of energetically sensitive or empath circles. And I wonder if this is changing now. I mean, there's, there's this movement, this mindfulness movement, which is, uh, as I understand it, supposed to bridge 
you know, mm-hmm. classical sort of mental health counseling or, or psychiatry, psycho- psychology uh, with uh, sort of um, meditation, getting in touch with mm-hmm. the spiritual aspects. And I was wondering, right. yeah, I was wondering, um, you know, like if uh, there, if you see like a whole new sort of um, uh, profession emerging here, you know, like a bridge between, you know, classical counseling and and energetic counseling, if you will, which is not necessarily spiritual counseling as as per definition, which is more Christian based or religious based. But how do you see the future of 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 counseling um, integrating some of the the spiritual esoteric uh, uh, impact? A sort of a phenomena that we are observing. Right? I mean, right now the studies show that 15 to 20 percent of all people on this planet qualify as highly sensitive person. That doesn't mean that they're all like already have come out of the woodwork and actually know how to talk about it yet. But you know, from from our perspective as energy healers, we see a huge demand for people to just be able to talk about their mm-hmm. sensations, their dreams, their their their, their energetic uh, sensations, you know, things that they feel connections with other people that cannot be explained. How do you see that in the future? Well, I think that at the time that traditional counseling came about, it was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. The idea that someone wasn't going to judge you and just listen to you and then give you feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a lot changed in the hundred plus years that that started because, you know, that just gives you some warmth, that positive regard. Mm-hmm. And, but then it travels from there. And a lot of people want, they want more feedback and they want to feel like they're connecting to you with, with you and they want to feel an energy attuned with you. Like, and you can tell and people bring it up and, as far as like mindfulness and meditation, that that's just that's where we're traveling to. Um, I think as a society mm-hmm. in healing, this idea like a lot of people <clears throat> that I see that have been to more traditional counselors are not satisfied. They they specifically were looking for somebody who could deal with energy, who was comfortable um, using that word and comfortable kind of helping them integrate a lot of aspects of them, of themselves that were coming up that maybe they didn't know how to make sense of. You think there's a, de- a, a demand there for, for, for mental health uh, counseling and therapy uh, to, to open up for, for those energetic and spiritual aspects? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, like when you're going through training, they always say that you can only take people as far as you went yourself. So that you have to be part of your own healing. And then you attract people that can heal with you. So if you've done a lot of energy work and you're really comfortable with yourself, then you're going to attract more people that want that from you. Mm-hmm. you know, so what versus you- if you just want, you know, some very practical skills to deal with your temper, that's going to be very different. <laughs> yeah. uh, you deal with a lot of different people. And I was wondering... What is the difference between a person who has a metaphysical root cause or something or is explaining something to you because of a metaphysical or spiritual reason or because of, of an impulse reason based in a part of their brain? And I guess there's another part of the question is, do you think that it could be a trap to some degree 
for a person to perpetually be focused on the metaphysical and lose cause of uh, of something that could be rooted in a basic brain function that they're not really aware of because all they're doing is focusing on the metaphysical and spiritual. Um, well, impulse, that's very different than connecting to something that you can't necessarily describe. Like, I'm sure most of us have had times in their life, in, in our lives, where we know something before it happens or we've been somewhere we haven't necessarily known that we were there before we've met someone that we feel very kindred with and then we find out later why and it all makes sense later and those are like the beginnings of understanding energy and connection that's very different than impulse impulse is when someone cuts you off and you're driving the car and you impulsively want to speed up and hit their bumper. There's no connection there. There's no feeling and reading another person or wanting to understand or even feeling empathy. So that's not happening with impulsivity. I do that all the time. That's the opposite. I do that all the time. One way that I explain it is that when something like if you want to understand the difference between intuition and like fear, then you would think about like, let's say you're, you know, 16 year old doesn't come home and they're supposed to be home at midnight and they're not home. Fear might say, Oh my gosh, they're in a car accident. Your heart might start beating really fast. You could be on the top of a panic attack. Right. But that's a fear based response. That's why you're having a fear based reaction. When there's intuition, it's very calm. There's a knowing, and it kind of just comes over you. You're not overthinking. It just comes to you. It's a very different feeling. So fear-based responses isn't what we're talking about, and and impulsivity isn't what we're talking about, because that would just be more of the problem, because when you're, you're coming from fear, you're just connecting. When you're coming from impulsivity, you're not just disconnecting. You're not even connected. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there's. I think I'm going to quote you there. <laughs> I have a, uh, a follow-up question for all three of you because it involves Eric, involves uh, Jeff and Yona about your work. Jeff and Yona, if you are looking at a person's codes and you're examining them, and they have, let's say, certain things that are out of alignment, can that pose as a distortion to their intuition? The same way. You wear sunglasses. You're not seeing sun. You're seeing a, a sun through a filtered glass. And I also want to ask the same question to you, Shoshana, if you notice that as well. So anyone, feel free to take it in any order. Absolutely, big yes, time. Big I time. mean, most people, especially, uh, say, like the the uh, Generation X, right? That's our generation, right? So mm-hmm. that the, the 40 to 60-year-olds, they have been um, shunned. They have been punished. They have been judged because of their intuition and they have been told that uh, this is all uh, woo-woo, that they are just making this up, that they should be real, that they should, you know, they have been uh, reprimanded for connecting with uh, their own inner sensations. And so we're forced to shut it down. This this whole generation of us here has a, has a big trauma there as far as like actually being able to connect to our sensitivity because it's so traumatic for for, for many mm-hmm. of us. Well, and in general, anything that limits, you know, it, typically in Shoshana, I'm sure you probably feel the, see the opposite side of it too, where when you have something that's blocking you, 
it shows up typically mentally, emotionally, or energetically, all three, and the other areas as well. So when that's sticking in there, that automatically creates a perception error. Just as judgment would, just as fear would, whatever, it's going to throw off your perception because whatever energetic state you align to, based on that block, that's how you see the world. So as Yona ta- or as um, Shoshana talked about, when you're in that impulsivity and want to hit that guy in front of you or run him down and flip him off and get out of the car and do whatever, uh, not that I've ever done that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a joy to do so, Jeff. As long as <laughs> years ago, when I was a bit younger, I did a couple times. But it, you're 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 connected at that energetic state, which is not connected. It's connected to impulsivity. It's connected to your ego. It's connected to that attack. Whereas when you begin to align things to more of like like Shoshana's talking about, Yona mentioned, where you're getting more into that heart connection, it's a whole different ballgame, like Shoshana said. It's totally different. And then that filter can be felt, or it's not even there anymore for a while because you've gone past that energy state. But my view. Shoshana, please add in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I, would, I agree completely with what the two of you said. I, I think that when something's misaligned, you know, just like if your back's out, you know it's out. You know, <laughs> it, yep. it, it's. I don't think. Um, I don't. I mean, granted, denial can be a powerful thing, and some people would be saying their back's fine when it's truly out. But most people are recognizing there's an issue, whether they're dealing with it or whether they're minimizing it. That's something different. But you know, they'll know that something isn't right. And in that knowing, which is the first step of the 12, any 12-step group, is in that knowing that something isn't working, then that's where healing can take place. But that doesn't mean necessarily that your lens is wrong. It's just Mm -hmm. that there's aspects, you know, because we are a combination of all of our experiences. And Mm -hmm. that's what affects our perception, you know. So... Um, when we heal those aspects, then it clears the perception. But, I, you know, I think that there's this idea that most people know that something isn't right. They may not know the degree that it isn't right. Right. You know, it's it's kind of like <clears throat> every girlfriend I've ever had, you know, <laughs> drinks too much. And <laughs> on my third date, she's drunk, you know. Well, if you have that pattern, then there's something inside you that needs to heal because it, it keeps showing up. Yep. But, but. Most people, they'll know there's a problem. They may not know why or how, but they'll know that, that, that that's not working. <laughs> yeah, so that's a big part, really, of healing, at least in our practice here, is to help people to uh, open up their perception, mm-hmm. to regain or to, to at least clear out those filters. Right. You know, uh, not, the, not, the least, denial yeah. can be, uh, I agree with you, Shoshana, can be, uh, something that is uh, uh, harder to overcome, but for most people, it's really the inability to actually see it when they're in it. When they're in right. a different state, they can usually detect it. Mm-hmm. It's just that uh, practice or that that reprogramming uh, to to um, get themselves out of the state before they judge the state, before they judge the problem. You know, like making having enough tools to get out of the state first, and then look at what the problem is, and then uh, that en- enables a person to see patterns like that. Mm-hmm. Hey, Shoshana and Jeff and Yona, when you, all three of you, are working with someone and you notice that the person you're speaking with is kind of a jerk or somebody who has has the <laughs> same type of personality of somebody who's hurt you in the past, 
Do you find it more of a challenge to want to help that person, or do you find in some ways that it's kind of better to leave that person alone and let their their own energy kind of collapse upon them? I mean, do you ever have a circumstance where it's maybe best to kind of let things go their course rather than intervene and prevent something from happening? Because if you do heal them, they're never going to learn the full uh, lesson of their actions. That's a complex question, Ryan. <laughs> that implies that we think we can heal somebody. <laughs> you know, when somebody comes and they ask for support and healing, to engage in their own healing, they don't, the person doesn't have to be perfect. And in fact, it's so beautiful to admit that you're not perfect and that you have hurt people and, or you've let people hurt you. And that you want to, like, learn from it. So if it brings up something in, in anyone who's involved in the healing business, that just gives us an opportunity to, to further our own healing. And to me, it's inspirational to see someone in front of me that's willing to do the work. Because if it reminds me of someone in the past, the hurt isn't that that hurt occurred. The hurt is that the resolution didn't occur. Because... That's life. Like, people get hurt. Life isn't fair. But the work involved in creating situations where there's resolution and understanding and healing, that makes our past so much easier. Yeah. Palpable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, from an energetic point of view, I mean, as opposed to Shoshana, we don't work with people in person. We work with people remotely, which um, definitely helps to detach from some of these things. <laughs> Um, and sometimes, you know, uh, the because the, you, you refer to when we see uh, that those codes and people, um, you know, sometimes we uh, do have these these uh, these moments where we feel the rubbed feel uh, sort of rubbed the wrong way by somebody's energy, and they can be like the nicest people in in uh, their normal life, you know. Uh, but just like Shoshana said, um, you know, when something rubs me the wrong way, it is that. It's always that my energy recognizes something in the other person that I cannot love about myself, that I cannot integrate about myself. Right. And so it's more of a challenge, actually, to, to answer your question here, Ryan, and to see, like, okay, what are the parts that rub me the wrong way here? Um, and then um, to move on and to see, like, okay, what is, uh, you know, like the, the things... Uh, that, that make me uh, sort of re- react to the other person's energy, uh, those are things that I need to investigate. Because for us as energy workers, it's actually quite common to have to go through some of uh, some kind of resistance at first because people's energies, which is mostly, you know, uh, based on their unconscious, um, uh, are, are typically quite defensive. And we actually recommend people to be defensive in, in, in within reason, you know, to not just let everybody, every energy in. And so for us, it's almost like a daily bread, especially with, with the, uh, you know, new clients, uh, to having to go through some, somewhat of an attack, really, uh, which we understand is, is just part of the unconscious, uh, safety, a mechanism that a person has and mm-hmm. um, it's not anything that leads to us judging the person we understand this and it's actually kind of cool when you talk to people after a while you know working with them and having 
uh, you know, formed this rapport uh, to share this with them and say, you know, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, there were times where your entity was trying to kill me, you know, and mm-hmm. and and they would feel this at uh, at various levels, but to contextualize this for them yeah. and to say this is a normal defense mechanism at first, but when we want to learn how to connect for real, uh, then we have to become more aware of these defense mechanisms because they're, in the end, very often the ones that prevent us from connecting with mm-hmm. others or to uh, that prevent us from reaching the kind of intimacy that we are really um, wanting but not able to follow through on because we have too much pain, too much hurt, too much trauma uh, and, and too many coping mechanisms. So when we... You know, when we feel someone going into this defensive state energetically or attacking us or sort of in quotation marks acting like a jerk, uh, you know, then we understand that we've actually tripped on something very deep, Mm -hmm. usually a pain and and a trauma. And and so we try to be as respectful as possible. And uh, sometimes it is needed, as you say, Ryan, uh, to let someone experience this by themselves. Mm -hmm. But I think... What every healer in any healing arts has as a prime directive is what Shoshana said. If somebody's showing up, mm-hmm. if somebody's asking for help, if somebody's reaching out, all right, then that becomes the, um, the major focal point, not our personal opinion about things. In fact, we actually teach people how to completely let go of opinions. So it's more, uh, you know, like how do we receive someone? What is the problem here with connecting with this person? So if a person comes across as a jerk, well, this shows me a pattern. Mm-hmm. It, it shows me why it may be difficult for other people to connect with him or her. And so dropping someone just because they rubbed me the wrong way would not be integrous in my view. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and on top of that, too, usually the ones that are the jerks right up front, That's those are so blatantly obvious. They're typically quite prepared for that. I mean, you know, they're still going to attack and all that kind of stuff, but those are usually pretty blunt. It's like, okay, you're, you're kind of... They turn out to be, to be the best clients in the end. Well, and a lot of that's a teenage perspective, too, because, you know, teenagers or adults that still take on that persona... They'll, they'll test you to see if you'll like them, if you'll still want to support them, if you'll really work with them. And then when you pass that test of non-judgment and you pass that test of not getting irritated with them and staying patient and staying believing in why they're showing up, then the guards go down, yeah. you know? So you made a really interesting point earlier. I think you said that you can only take a person as far as you've healed yourself. And yeah. this is a question for you and for Jeff and for Yona. How is there a particular limit? Is there is there a person or a situation where it's you, you won't you cannot take them on because you're in the process of either um, you up and attain that form of enlightenment for yourself, or you just won't take them on because maybe there's just too much going on with them that you you you're not the best person to help them because you know I'm keeping in mind that you said you know you don't want to turn away help, but you also want to do what's best for the person and. Um, you know, maybe not taking taking the mom might be too much or could harm the negativities. I was wondering what your thoughts were about that. It can happen. Mm-hmm. Go go ahead, Shoshana. No, no, go ahead. It, this can happen, and actually, as far as ethos is concerned, as far as integrity as a healer is concerned, 
um, that would be something integrous to do. Like if you feel like, say, that like a problem, like say you are a battered woman yourself as a healer and you have a client who is going through the height of the trauma um, of, of of going through, you know, um, a physical or emotional abuse and it triggers too much in you. For instance, that could be a a mm-hmm. a, a situation. Yep. Uh, then it would be uh, the the most integrous thing to to do really is to refer um, the client to someone else who you trust mm-hmm. that can deal with this. Um, it, from our perspective here, as as uh, um, educators of energy healers, it's it's one of the biggest things that we discuss with our trainees because you know when you have a limitation in your perception, in your um, ability to connect with something because it triggers too much in you, uh, then it's actually best to uh, to take a step back and, and refer simply because you would then, uh, you know, be in a position of an unhealed healer. And the unhealed healer as an archetype is a very common uh, phenomenon actually amongst, um, you know, therapists as well as energy healers. Yeah. People who take on um, uh, clients who take on uh, cases that um, they haven't really resolved for themselves and therefore um, really can cannot be of help and sometimes even um, uh, do more harm than good and misdirect people. Yeah. And also there there is a this is a very good question because it it, it really defines something that um, within uh, mental health counseling of course is, is clearly defined. But within energy healing, this is not so clearly defined. So if I have a uh, an energetic issue, you know, like say I am a battered woman and I I still have a lot of disdain to its masculinity. I judge men for, in quotation marks, you know, just all wanting the same thing or just wanting power or just wanting that. You know, if that's my inner my true inner attitude, then. It is almost impossible for me to heal someone who is trying to go through uh, 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 really integrating these aspects and and uh, seeing uh, you know sort of the deeper parts in them that need to be healed because I would be unconsciously transporting my own limitations, my own like disdain, say. And we see this a lot, actually. This is unfortunately a very widespread. Um, phenomenon amongst energy healers. Yes, it is. Unfortunately. I don't know, Shoshana. What's your what's your view on that in in counseling or in therapy? Uh, just you know, in general, that if a client brings up something in you, then you know you're supposed to process it with others. You're also supposed to go to counseling yourself whenever things come up, so you process it because you don't want to like work with someone and then. Six months in, something comes up for you, so you have to let them go. Um, that as things come up, that there's a lot of um, resilience and continuing the growth. That growth isn't like a season or a year; it's lifelong. Um, of course, if there's like you know, a lot of times there's like target areas that maybe you're just not so good at, or that timing or structures, or you know, you just know that isn't the, the best mesh for you. Like in, in my practice. I'm really comfortable dealing with addiction and someone I work with is super comfortable dealing with personality disorders. So I just send her the personality disorders Mm -hmm. over and Mm -hmm. she sends the addictions over to me because we just have this very, she very fluidly works 
with those disorders so well and and I don't and it, and it's you know I could look at it as I have blocks but it, uh, honestly part of it is that it's just it's exhausting for me in a certain way and I I need to be I need to have energy when I leave work because I'm also a parent so I have to make decisions based on what's also good for me so I can continue my work you know so I used to see a lot of children for example but as I had children then the amount of children I saw went down more because of the schedule you know I don't want to work after school and evenings because I have my own limitations when I honor my limitations and I honor where my strengths are, where they go, then I'm, of course, going to help someone else. When I don't honor those aspects of myself, then I can hurt someone else unintentionally. And hurt yourself as well. Yeah. And definitely hurt myself, right? Yeah. Because because th- there's there's a lot of respect that comes out with just knowing what you can do. Hold on one second. <laughs> Sticking with <laughs> So speaking of which, <laughs> Shoshana and Jeff and Yona, I have to tell you something. I, she's. I mean, earlier in my years, I used to drive psychologists crazy. I think there's a part of me that kind of got a rush out of it because I just figured that these people that were such masters of the mind, I try to provoke them, and I learned the quickest way to provoke them is to make them question their own confidence and beliefs and I'm, I'm not saying this to brag well, cause, well I did do it pretty easy but I'm saying this because do you find that if a person is able to kind of get a rush out of you or throw you off balance that in some way they're actually identifying an aspect of shadow or an aspect of something that you need to transcend so in one way it's actually a great thing that if somebody is actually able to penetrate and to get a rise out of you that they're in a way showing you other aspects of your evolution that you can't uh, go to. Well, they're showing us an aspect of them, a yeah. shadow aspect of them, which is control. Yeah. And, and and trying to regain power. And a bit of intelligence, typically, too. That's an intelligent move. Um, and if you bite on it and you have that unresolved, like Shoshana was mentioning and Yona mentioned, yeah, then you're stuck in it and you're in a fight. Then it's just my Then you power. lose. Then it's my power versus your power, <laughs> which usually gets bad, ends up bad. <laughs> so it's one of those things where typically when a person does that, even if you have those triggers, um, you can honor the fact that they're going through something and they're coming at you. They're showing, like Yona said, they're showing an aspect of control, their aspect of power tripping or, or just creativity and their manipulation powers or the abilities. And if you don't bite on it, you just go, okay, that's interesting how you do that and what's the purpose of that or whatever you start to work with them on that, that'll begin to shift that. As long as you don't bite on it, typically you're fine. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the context, of, yeah, course. of course. A lot of people of are very um, uh, excited, nervous, um, uh, kind of uh, a little bit anxious for the first time. They talk to a counselor or an energy healer, and they go. They they have to do something to overcome their own uh, feelings of of inferiority right. or something, you know. So um, when you do this professionally, you, you learn how to not really react to something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's uh, because you know we've done so much shadow work ourselves and and don't really 
bite onto things like this, but it's also, it's more like what I see in the person when they do this, and I try to catch them there, Mm -hmm. you know, I ask them if if, uh, anything makes them feel uncomfortable, or or why they've come, you know, I sort of try to redirect um, the conversation to uh, uh, the the, the core of, Mm -hmm. of why they've come. You know, so it's it'd be it'd be um, um, a more sort of of a reactive, impulsive type of reaction to actually jump on that when someone tries to provoke you. Yeah, you know that would not be uh, 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 smart for a healer to to have that untranscended because a lot of like we talked about earlier, a lot of people have defensive mechanisms mm-hmm. in the beginning, or like Shoshana mentioned, you know, like sort of. A teenage um, type of behavior, you know, um, uh, that, that that provokes the, uh, the the counselor, especially people who have issues with authority or issues with unresolved issues uh, with uh, with parental stuff. You know, this is a common phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know, to be uh, in that position of being questioned, being provoked, being tested, as uh, Shoshana mentioned earlier. Well, we are out of time, and I want to thank our phenomenal host, Mr. Jeff Casper, Ms. Jonah Brindis, a little more about them by going to the website at transcos.com, and I have to thank our amazing guest, Ms. Shoshana, I'm sorry, actually, I got this, Ms. Shoshana Figueroa. Thank you, Ryan. ShoshanaTherapy.com, who's going to be going through in therapy from sound after the show, no. We're all going to be peaceful. Shoshana, do you have any parting words for our amazing audience? <laughs> just that any work that you do on yourself um, really just increases your happiness, even if it initially hurts, and that includes your energy work, too. Mm-hmm. Shoshana, I have a question for you for closing words. Uh, two other counselors or therapists, if they feel like they want to go into this direction, what would you recommend them from like one therapist to another? Where to start with themselves? If they they would like to get in touch with more energy work? Yes. I would would refer them to you both. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's what I would do. I wasn't soliciting (laughs) that. (laughs) But um, no, if they want to really really, um, begin to, to, to... to apply some of, of, of their own intuition more into their practice. Um, I mean, it, it, it kind of leads back to what I was going to ask you earlier, how your pathway was to become an intuitive therapist. What would you recommend them where to start for themselves? Um, you know, everything that mindfulness teaches is all about connecting inward. And when you connect inward, you're able to pick up on things that may be a textbook or, you know, the diagnostic manual wouldn't tell you. I mean, you know, I learned that early on. Um, When I first was an intern, first learning to be a therapist, I had um, an extreme gut energy reaction to a child over the weekend. And I did not, I followed protocol. I did not contact the family over the weekend. I did not contact the little girl. Even though my intuition said, you need to call them, you need to check on them, you need to make sure everything's okay. And I dismissed it. Well, I, I went to work on Monday, and I found out 
that she, the little girl, she was in sixth grade, that she had attempted um, unsuccessfully, thank goodness, suicide uh, the day before. And I had felt that I needed to contact them. I felt that it was urgent. I dismissed it. And from that moment on, I, I knew that my schooling was very valid, that it was going to be very helpful to me, but so was my own heart and so was my own intuition. That if I had a feeling that something wasn't right, that I needed to investigate it and that that's worth doing. And so I ran my practice that way for years. And, um, you know, and so, you know, there's always referrals and it's been a blessing. And people come to you and they know that they are seen, heard, and believed and seen on many levels. So. Wonderful closing words. Yes, definitely. Very peaceful thanks. and uplifting. So thank everyone for joining us today. <laughs> it is uplifting. Yeah, how to counterbalance uh, the negativity on my behalf. I do apologize for that. To learn more about me, please go to my website. com. Again, websites for Jeff and Yona, transcodes.com. And the website Good for Miss Figueroa is com. Everyone, thank you so much for being with us. You've just listened to a phenomenal episode of Heart Warriors Radio. We'll be back here next week with another exciting step in evolution. Thank you for being with us. 